Good to see everybody out this morning. Uh, hopefully you'll be back tonight, 6.30. Is it 6.30 6 o'clock? Whatever time it is. Be here tonight. Come at 5.30 and make sure you don't miss it. But we're glad you're here. As a parent, and it was true when I was a child, that when you told your parents that you wanted to go to Johnny's house, they expected you to go to Johnny's house. And if something happened where they needed you and they called Johnny's house and you weren't there, that you were over at Tommy's house, I don't know about your house, but I would have been in trouble. And I wouldn't have asked why, because my dad's philosophy was, I said so. And he didn't have to give you a big, long explanation. If you wanted the long explanation, it usually came out from around his waist. And so you just listened. And I think most parents are like that today. They want to know where their children are at. But can you imagine if your child wasn't where they were supposed to be and they, you t confronted them and they said, well, you didn't say I couldn't go to Tommy's house. Well, when you gave them permission to go to Johnny's house, that kind of eliminated everyone else's house. And I have found that many of the traits of a child are carried over into adulthood where we hear things and we kind of act like children. Because the Bible tells us what we are to do and gives us instructions and examples of things of what God expects out of us as Christians. But yet I still hear people say the Bible doesn't say we can't. Or the Bible is silent on a particular subject, so therefore it's permissible to do. And I don't believe that that's what the Bible tells us. I don't think that that's what God wants. The doctrine of the Bible doesn't say I can't is one of the reasons that reasons why the religious world is in the mess that it's in today. Because we're supposed to be following the Bible. And when we look at the Christian world, the Christian world calls for unity, but it finds itself more and more divided every day. And you can see that when you have a, a, a particular denomination that teaches this is what you've got to do in order to be saved. And you have a different denomination that says, well, no, you don't have to do that. You've got to do this. And you have three or four different ones. You can see the confusion that would be in the world today. But that attitude on the Bible is one of the reasons that that's true. Because the Bible doesn't say we can't, so they go ahead and do in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning of verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul is telling the church at Corinth who had been divided and was divided because they were following different people. They were following uh, Peter or Apollos or someone else. Instead of following Christ, G or Paul is reminding them that there shouldn't be that division. And so the religious world sometimes wants to get around that division by saying that, well, we're all the same or you know, we're all going to the same place. Well, Paul is telling us here that we need to be united in the things that we teach, the things that we do, the way that we worship. 
And the reason why we don't go along with the denominational world on this matter, that the Bible doesn't say that we can't do it, is because we walk by faith. Understanding what that means that we walk by faith, when we do walk by faith and we understand the true meaning of that, it eliminates division. Because we're not striving to do what I want or someone else wants. We're striving to do what the Lord wants. And the only place that I can find out what the Lord wants is through His Word. We also understand that when we live by faith, it provides confidence for us that God is pleased with what we do. And I hope that that's important to you. I know it's important to me that I want God to accept my worship. I want Him to accept the life that I'm living to serve Him. And when I look at the Bible and I see what I'm supposed to do and I'm doing those things and I'm not doing the things that He doesn't want me to do or He's been silent about, then... I can have the confidence to know that I'm pleasing to God. And I hope that that's what you want in your life. You see, the Bible teaches us in the following passages that we walk by faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, "...the just shall live by faith." In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 11, Paul says, the just shall live by faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, "We "...for we walk by faith and not by sight." In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And so we see all these passages of Scripture that teaches us that we are to walk by faith. We have faith in what God has said, and therefore we walk accordingly. By doing the things that He said. And the only place that I can find where God is directing me is through His Word. To live by faith is to live as God has directed us. Knowing that we must live by faith, we need to understand that the Bible does not say can't we can't do it. That doctrine is not living by faith. You see, quite often people will say, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, and I think it's a good work and I think that it's something good, but it's contrary to what the Bible says. And they say, I have faith that God's going to accept that. That isn't uh, walking by faith. Walking by faith is listening to what God teaches us in His Word. And so I believe that we need this lesson this morning. Because it's easy to see that the denominational world practices that freedom to do whatever they so want to do. And sometimes I'm afraid that creeps into the church. And we have to be careful. And we need this lesson because humans have an inclination to want to do things their own way. We want to do what we want to do and we want God to accept it. We've got it totally backwards in those cases. And so this morning, I want us to look at some of these things. What it means to walk by faith. First of all, to walk by faith, it requires a word from God, the Word of God. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it tells us there, so then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the Word of God. And so our faith comes from somewhere. Where does it come from? Hearing God's Word. And that sounds pretty simple, but we need to believe it and we need to practice it. You see, you can't believe it, you can't trust it without a Word from God. How can I know that I'm doing what pleases God except by looking at His Word and seeing what He would have me to do? Now, I understand that there are times that He's very specific in His commands, but there's also times that He's general. So we worship God, we come together to worship God, and so we assemble, and and, and worship is a general term, so we're worshiping, but then we see other specific things where we're supposed what we're supposed to do. We'll talk about some of those specific things in a moment. But that passage reveals the true source of living by faith. It's God's word. It's also a commentary on what it means to walk in the light. I'm sure that when one becomes a Christian, we want to know, you know, we, we want to have fellowship with Christ and we want to walk in the light. But what does that mean to walk in the light? Well, in first Corinthians or first John chapter one and verse seven, it says, And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So as a Christian, I want to continue to walk in that light. I want to be in fellowship with my Lord. I want Him to accept me and I want to accept Him. I want to have that, that, that mutual fellowship with each other. How does that happen? How do I walk in the light? Jesus gives us the answer. You see, the answer is found in the Bible. In John chapter 8, in verse 12, Jesus says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have life or light of life. So if I want to have fellowship with Christ, if I want to walk in that light, then what does that mean? I have to follow who? Pastor so-and-so? Reverend so-and-so? No, I have to follow Jesus Christ. He's in the light, and by following what He teaches and what He wants me to do, I'm walking in that light. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How can I say, Lord, Lord, you you are my Lord, you are my Master, but ignore what He says I'm supposed to do? In John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so what do we see from these passages of Scripture? We find that the Word of God is important. We find that what Jesus wants us to do is very important. He gave instructions to His apostle that the Holy Spirit would descend upon them and guide them in all truth. So what they have written is from who? Themselves? Or from God? I've heard people say that Paul, you don't have to listen to Paul because, well, he's not Jesus. Then what did the Holy Spirit guide him to do? The Holy Spirit guided him in all truths, just like all the other apostles were guided in all truths. And by the way, there are no apostles living today. There are some people out there in the religious world that claim to be apostles, but they haven't seen Jesus. They're not what the Bible shows us to be an apostle. They're doing what they want to do. And so, 
When we see all the things that Jesus tells us in His Word or in the Word, that's re- that reveals to us what is wrong with, but the Bible doesn't say we can't doctrine. You see, we don't have instruments in our worship because we cannot do it by faith. We don't sing songs of praise to God using instruments or accompanied by instruments because there are no Scriptures, no examples in the New Testament where they did those things. And so when Jesus, through the apostles, tells us or tells us to, to sing and make melody in our heart, then what are we to do? Seems pretty simple to me. Sing and make melody in our heart. Now, what happens if I start adding on a piano? I've had, I've heard people, I've had people even call me, not members of the church, but other people, and I know that there are members of the church that wouldn't think anything wrong with it. But I've had them call and say, well, I think it would sound better with an instrument. Had somebody call me and say, well, my, my child has a great talent to play the instrument. They should be able to do that in worship. That's the way they show or express their worship to God. Why don't we do those things? Am I denying somebody's privilege of offering to God something that they want to give? It gets back to the Bible. And it gets back to what we want as opposed to what God wants. So we don't have instruments because God said sing. He didn't say do anything else. He said sing. And so we sing because that's what God commands. We don't have a universal pope because we can't do that by faith. We don't pray the sinner's prayer. You're not going to hear me say, you want to accept Jesus in your life, then pray this prayer. You're not going to hear me say that unless I'm just repeating what somebody else has said to show you that it's wrong. And we don't, we don't, we don't make that statement. We don't say pray this prayer to accept Jesus because that's not found in the New Testament. We preach and practice what they did in the New Testament, what they preached and practiced to become a disciple of Christ. If there is no Word from God, there is no faith. If you have your Bible, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody must have phones in this this group. This morning I could hear pages turning and everything. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So there in chapter 11, verse 1, we find there the, the de- definition of faith. That it's something that we can't see but we believe it. And there's examples that are given in that chapter where you just trust God to do what He's told you to do. Now, when we sing, I don't know, do we know that has God sent us a message to say that we're ple- He's pleased with us? The only place that I can find that that's acceptable is in this, this Word. He's not going to give me a message in my mind or in my head. I have to go to God's Word. And by faith, I do those things that He has instructed. So look at verse 7. 
In verse 7, we find by faith Noah was warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the, the which he condemned the world and became heirs of the righteous which is by faith. What had he not seen? Well, for one, he'd never seen a flood of that magnitude that was about to take place. He had never seen an ark built to to those dimensions that would save his family. But yet, God told him to do it. He trusted God and he built it to the dimensions that God said. He put in it what he was supposed to. He pitched it within and without. He put a window in it, a door in it, and he did everything that God told him to do. And in chapter 6 of Genesis, the last verse, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, why did he do that? Because he had faith in what God told him to do, and that faith moved him to be obedient to what God had instructed him to do. Did he know that ark was going to save him? Yes, because he had faith in what God said. He was moved to do what God told him to do. In verses 8 through 10, we can find Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out of the place which he should after receive of inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned into a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. God told Abraham to leave his home place and to go to a strange place, a promised place. Abraham didn't even know where he was going, but by faith he believed God and he got up, he packed up, and he went. His faith caused him to do that. Now what if Abraham would have said, well, you know, Lord, I don't want to go over there. I would rather go over here. Would his faith have moved him to do that? No. What if, what if Noah said, you know, Lord, that's an awful big boat and a lot of work to have to build that thing. Come on. I'm going to build something smaller, something easier. You know, there's eight souls we're going in it. We don't need anything that big. You know, and some of them animals, I don't really like them. Did Noah do that? No, Noah did exactly what God told him to do. And God was pleased. Not only with Noah, but with Abraham. And then you drop down to verse 30 of that same chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, and by faith the wall of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. If you turn over to Joshua chapter 6, you can find where Joshua and the children of Israel were instructed by God to march around that city. And God had told Joshua that He had delivered Jericho into His hands. And what if Joshua and the children of Israel had said, you know, Lord, instead of walking around this city, and then on the seventh day, walking around it seven times, and then when the trumpet's blown, and we'll all shout, why didn't they just say, what if they would have said, we would rather just have a sit-in. We'll go over there, but why don't we sit in? But what if they just said, well, you know, Jericho's a pretty tough city. Got a pretty strong wall. Why don't we go to some other city and march around that one and then let those walls fall down over there? They didn't do that, did they? They did exactly what God said. Why? Because they had faith. Do you think they had, had they ever seen walls fall down like that? 
I can't read where they marched around any other wall and it just fell down when they did what God told them to do. They had seen, they were hearing something that they had not seen. Abraham was looking for a city, a country he had not seen. Noah was preparing for a flood he had not seen. And we're preparing for heaven which we have not seen. And we have to trust God. We can find example after example where people did what they were supposed to do and we see good consequences. Not everything happened in chapter 11 has a good consequence, at least here on this earth. Because there were some who were very faithful to God and the world hated them. And if you read on further, you find that the world wasn't worthy of those individuals. But they did what God told them to do. And that's what we need to do, do what God tells us to do. And so those examples and the definition of faith bring us to the conclusion that if God specifies something, all else is excluded. In fact, I've said this before, if God had to tell us what to do and then what not to do, we would have a Bible so big we couldn't carry it around. He did not have to tell Noah, build an ark out of gopher wood, but don't build it out of maple or oak or pine or poplar or ash or any other kind of wood. And with a world as big as it is, there's probably all kinds of woods. And that, that instruction would be so long, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't even be able to understand it. And so when you say, yeah, you have permission to go to Tommy's house, you understand that that means you can't go to Johnny's house or anybody else's house, you're supposed to be where you're supposed to go. And so when God specifies gopher wood, that just eliminates all the other woods. And so God tells us to preach the Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. What does that tell Timothy that he has to preach? The Word of God. What am I to preach? The Word of God. What is anybody else that's preaching? What are they to preach? The Word of God. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What's that gospel message? The death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That He died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He rose victorious over the grave on the third day. That eliminates a lot of other things that I'm not supposed to preach. I'm not supposed to give you, get up here and give you a, a commentary on the evening news. I'm not supposed to give a lecture on literature. I'm not supposed to talk about philosophy. Then you say, well, yes, but I've heard preachers, and you included, tell stories. You know, I'll tell you why I tell stories. I don't know why others tell stories. They may have their own reason. I have heard preachers that sounded more like a comedy routine than preaching the gospel. But you tell those stories sometimes to help you relate to the subject that you're talking about in the Bible. Just like Jesus gave parables to, have, uh, to help them to understand what He was trying to teach, He'd give them a story about something that had happened in their life that they could relate to. And so sometimes we tell stories to try to help people to see what the principle is or what is being taught in the Word of God. But I'm not going to stand up here and, and talk about what Lester Holtz may say on the news or any other commentator that's out there on the news. That's not our job. Our job is to preach the Word, preach the Gospel. And so we see faith illustrated in Hebrews chapter 11. And to walk by faith, it's important to realize 
the words that we say, what we say. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. What does that mean? That if I'm going to stand up here and speak, and I'm going to tell you the Word of God, I better make sure that I'm telling you the Word of God. Not my opinion, not what I feel, not what I hope, but not what I'd like. I need to be telling you what God's Word says. Now, I need to like what God's Word says. I should love what God's Word says. But God's Word is what needs to be preached. Not my opinion. Not anyone else's opinion. Because God's Word is the only thing that can save us if we follow it. And so we need to listen to God's Word. In contrast, when you think about that, in contrast, contrast that speak as the oracles of God with things like, but God doesn't say we can't. Or contrast that with join the church of your choice. When the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 that the Lord adds us to the church. You don't go join the church of your choice. We need to be added to the church that Jesus built. That's what the Bible teaches. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. So the Bible here plainly shows us that there's only one church that Jesus built, and we're supposed to be a part of it. Now the religious world realizes that they're all divided. And that one says one thing, one says another, one says something else, and you can go down and there's thousands of different denominations that are out there. And so their philosophy is that all of these denominations make up that one church. But yet one says go this way, one says go that way. And I challenge you this morning, if you think that that's okay, I want you to take your right foot and go out that door and take your left foot and go out this door. And see how far you get. That is in unity what they have. When we get back to what the Bible teaches and doing the things that the Bible says, then guess what? Unity is possible. Contrast what Peter said. Speak as the oracles of God with the old, we're all headed to the same place. We're just taking different paths, different roads. We'll all get there. But Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, Jesus is the only way to go. You can't follow someone else to heaven. You've got to follow Jesus to heaven. He's the only way. And so we need to make sure we're practicing what He says. Jude verse 3 tells us, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What's he say? We should earnestly contend for the faith. Not a faith, not some faith, but the faith. And that faith is found in God's Word. And that we need to earnestly contend for it that was once delivered unto the saints. So here's the test. And I know I've given this test before, but the test is actually found in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 25. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 25, Jesus is confronted by some individuals and he asks them a question. And he says, The baptism of John, whence was it? 
from heaven or of men? And they reason with themselves, saying, if we, if we say, or if we shall say from heaven, he will say to us, Why did you not then believe him? So what's the test? The test is this. Is what you're being taught, is what you're hearing, is it from God or is it from men? Is it something that man concocted himself? And let me just say, there's a lot of false teachers that are out there that are very, very clever at what they do. And they can twist and manipulate the Scripture, and if you're not very careful, you'll be following what they, they say. And there are many people out there in the religious world that will call good good or evil and evil good. And I said sometimes we can look bad because we don't go along with what they want to do because it sounds good, but it is contrary to what the Bible teaches. And so we won't participate with them. We won't participate in it because we know that it is something that is contrary to God's Word. But yet the religious world and even those in the world will say, well, what's wrong with that? And then when you try to explain it, you look like a bad guy because you're trying to go by the Bible and then you get labeled as a legalist or something to that nature. So the test is, is it from heaven or is it from men? When we walk by faith, it's important to look at what we do. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. What can you do in the name of Jesus and have it honored by God? Can it be the things that our Lord never taught? Think about just a simple example of baptism. I'm sure that many of us, if not all of us, have heard people say that baptism is not essential to salvation. You don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. But it was Jesus who said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now that doesn't seem very complicated to me to understand. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what Jesus said. You preach the Gospel. If you believe that Gospel, then you need to believe and be baptized. That Those two things. And what does He say? Thou shalt be saved. But yet you'll hear people say, pray this prayer. Accept Jesus into your heart. Baptism isn't necessary. I've heard people say, I heard a preacher one time stand up and say, not in a church, but in a denomination where you don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. But let me give you six reasons why you should be baptized. I can give you one. Because Jesus said, be baptized. That's pretty simple. Pretty simple to understand. And now on the day of judgment, you're going to stand before Christ who made that statement and argue with Him and say, listen, what you said there on earth about being baptized, that's not necessary. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22 when a prophet speaketh in the name of his Lord, if the things follow not, nor come to pass, this is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. If it is claimed to be in the name of our Lord, and it has not been spoken by the Lord, then it is presumptuous. 
Think about things you hear. Pray the sinner's prayer. Where do you read that in the Bible? Did Jesus tell anyone, pray this prayer and you'll be saved? Did any of the apostles tell anyone, pray this prayer and you'll be saved? Just accept Jesus into your heart. You don't find that in the Bible. Was that presumptuous? Send me money. Send me seed money. You've heard that claim. Where do you read that in the Bible? I can read where Peter and John says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I don't hear them begging for money. Pray the rosary. Where do you read that in the Bible? You don't see that in the New Testament. And there's a lot of things in the religious world that are out there that people just do because someone told them that it was okay. They're being presumptuous. Really what they're doing is putting themselves above God by saying, I can do what I want and God's going to accept it. If God has given instructions, if God has told us, then we need to listen to what He says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, These things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake, that ye might learn in us not to think of a man above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up one against another. What's Paul saying? He's saying, don't go beyond what is written. And the King James Version is uh, the weakest translation of them all. If you looked at uh, different translations, you could see what he really meant. And if you look in your King James Version where it talks about of men, that of men is in italics. So those words have been added to try to help the flow, I guess, but it kind of weakens what, it's, it's, what the, the point is. You see, the American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, the NIV, the RSV, the NRSV, and the NASV, you got all these abbreviations. They all agree. And listen to what they say. They translate it this way, that in us ye might learn not to go beyond the things which are written. So in other words, don't go beyond what is written in God's Word. You're not going to have a dream. You're not going to have a vision. You're not going to have someone telling you that, well, I'm an apostle, so you've got to listen to me. No. If they speak something that's contrary to God's Word, they're wrong. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and verse 2, "...you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandment of the Lord your God which I command you." So we're not to add to God's Word. We're not to take away from God's Word. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6, "...every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. Add thou not unto His Word, lest He reprove thee, and thou be found a liar." Oh, so what happens if I take, God, uh, take away from God's Word? What if I rip a page out and say, that page just don't matter? What am I saying? I'm making myself a liar because I'm telling you something that God has not. I'm making a decision for God and that decision is worthless. Listen to the Word of God. 
because it points us in the right direction. And so hopefully, if you've been thinking or have that thought of the Bible doesn't say we can or can't, the Bible doesn't say we can't, then get that thought out of your mind. Because just because the Bible is silent about a subject doesn't give us permission to go ahead and do it. We live by faith. We walk by faith. And when we live by faith, we recognize that it requires a word from God. When we live by faith in what we say, we speak as the word as the oracles of God. When we live by faith in what we do, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, not going beyond what is written. And when we live by faith, we know that what we've done will eliminate division and be pleasing to our God. So let us strive always to look to God through His Word for guidance in what we need to do in this life. Jesus tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. We've mentioned that already. Believe and be baptized. Believe that Gospel message that He is the Son of God. Be willing to make that confession. Repent of your sins. And be buried with our Lord in baptism. Those things are necessary for us to do. So this morning, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to become a child of God. If you are and you've wandered away and you're not in fellowship with Christ, you're not walking in the light as He is in the light, then I would encourage you to repent and change your life make things right. If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.